Hey, homegirls and homeboys, I'm Arielle. And I'm Amanda, and we're the Homicide Homegirls. Just two best friends discussing true crime cases that they can't stop obsessing over. If you're like us and your guilty pleasure is serial killer documentaries, whodunit mysteries, and procedural police shows, then you're in the right place. So buckle up, Buttercup, grab an adult beverage, and get ready, because on Wednesdays, we talk murder. month of the year mental health awareness month <laughs> no my birthday month but also that um my birthday is tomorrow well, my as of when we're recording favorite time of year mm-hmm. um the season where i thrive um i'm a summer baby so i need the sunshine <laughs> bronzing my pale irish skin so, so you don't look like snow white right And I have exactly 76 days until I'm on a beach in Mexico. I can't stand you. I want to go. Hater. So before we jump in today's episode, you already know what time it is. What time is it? Review time. So this review was titled Elisa from Turnage M616 saying, quote, I suffered through this episode right along with y'all. It was absolutely heartbreaking and enraging at the same time. I can't even imagine doing the research for this episode, but I'm glad you did. Y'all brought this precious baby's story into the light and hopefully will help another child to escape a situation like hers. Y'all never disappoint in topic, research, content, and entertainment. Y'all are my favorite podcast to listen to. Thanks so much for sharing with all of us. Marinelle Turnage, end quote. I'm gonna cry. So this review is probably my favorite thus far. Um, right. I don't know. It's deeper than mm-hmm. you know right. the other ones. Um, this episode did take a lot out of me. Mm-hmm. Although I am an emotional person, believe it or not, Ariel can vouch for me. Um, I don't get emotional in front of others, and no. Ariel <laughs> scolds me for that. Right. I'll be like, what's wrong with you? And she's like, nothing. And I'm like, bitch, go lie to somebody Yeah, else. she's like, see, that's your problem. Mm-hmm. So thank you um, so much, Marinelle. Um, right. We love you. Your words mean so much to us. I know. And it did, the episode definitely did take a lot out of me. Um, hashtag save the children. Right. So that's a big movement. So today's episode is one of those cases that is so highly publicized everybody pick your jaws up off the floor right because i don't do these kinds of cases i know when when she told me she was doing like a highly publicized case and i was like i actually guessed what it was not intentionally but she's like whatever happened to that guy i'm like 
And she just Merp. sent me the stale face emoji. Yeah. So, even though it's so highly publicized, a lot of people don't know the outcome. Right. Like, I didn't. Obviously, no people died and this, that, and the other, but whatever happened to the offender? Like, right. And, and well, I'm sure we're going to get into that, like, because we had a whole conversation about, like, the type of episode that this is and why that is that we might not know, but... When she told me... As sad as it is. Yeah. But when she told me, like, who she was doing, I was like, where is he? Like, what the fuck? Yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. Most of the times they take their own lives because... What? Yeah. Oh, never mind. Yeah. I feel like that's part of their plan. Right. A lot of times. And once we, once, once we Once we get into what this is, you'll understand um, yeah, why we're that, saying that. But that didn't happen in this case, so... No. Um, He's still a coward. Yes, absolutely. And just not a coward that killed himself um i feel like a lot of people including myself don't know like i said the outcome of like the court proceedings and no i didn't yeah me neither because Um, but you hear so much about the massacre side of it and then like ariel said to me because as sad as it is we'll get distracted by the next big event the next day or like the next month or like yeah that's just the world we live in that one kind of falls out of the, you know, everybody's peripheral. Radar? Like, you know, it's kind of like on the back burner because there's this new huge tragedy going right. on now. Which is sad that that's the world that we live in. Right. Um, today's episode is also bringing awareness to National Mental Health Awareness Month, which is observed for the entire month of May. I did not know that. Me neither. Good to know. Um Mental Health Awareness Month has been observed in May in um, the United States since 1949. Get out. Yeah. That long? Yeah. Wow. Um, Mental Health Awareness Month was started by the Mental Health America organization, Mm -hmm. and they provide media, local events, and film screenings related to mental health. And every year in mid-March, they released a quote-unquote toolkit of materials to guide um preparation for outreach during mental health awareness month that's that's pretty cool yeah so every year they have a different theme and this year's theme is hashtag tools to thrive Mm -hmm. and the theme was chosen um quote in a time of unprecedented anxiety about a world pandemic end quote no and i think everyone whether you suffer with any type of mental illness can relate to that on a wide spectrum because mm-hmm. being quarantined did, did take a toll on a lot of people. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know for sure I was, like, just exhausted more than normal. I'm yeah. just coming up from that. Um, just dead tired every day. Mm-hmm. So today we are going to cover the heartbreaking details of the 2012 Aurora, Colorado shooting. I'm not ready. This is our first shooting, isn't it? Like, mass Ma- shooting. Oh, wow. It, it sure is. I think. I think we've had, like, murders where somebody was shot, but not. Um, like, we've had a couple spree killers, but nothing on this scale. Right. So, typically, when formatting my episodes, I would usually jump into the background of the topic, whether it be the victim or the killer, but due to the serious efforts by the victim's families 
to avoid glamorizing the killer. Mm -hmm. I will not be doing that in this episode. Okay. Um, So we're just going to jump right in to the timeline and what led up to the timeline. Okay. Um, On May 22nd of 2012, James Egan Holmes went to Gander Mountain, which is a sports and uh, outdoor store, Mm. and he purchased a Glock 22. That's an interesting name. Yeah, it's like geese, gander, like hunting. Yeah. 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 We I've never heard of that. Is it like a chain? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. Um, on May 28th, so six days later, mm-hmm. he went to Bass Pro Shops and bought a Remington 780 Express tactical shotgun. What the hell? Yeah. On June 7th, which I think is about 10 days later. Yeah. He purchased a Smith & Wesson MMP-15 sport rifle. So what? he So in a matter of two weeks, two, weeks. two and a half weeks, he bought three guns, which I live in the, we live in the South. I'm pro-gun, mm-hmm. you know, um, Second Amendment, whatever. However, I do feel that there should be more extensive screening when purchasing a gun And And I feel like that should have been some red flags thrown up there. Right. That you're buying these. You don't have any guns. Yeah. And you're buying these three high powered, you know, well, the two of them were high powered rifles, right? Mm -hmm. Well, one was a rifle, one was a shotgun. A Glock Glock. 22, you could um, easily survive a Glock 22 um, GSW. Mm. Um, People walk away from 22s all the time, but. You you are likely not walking away from a shotgun. Or a rifle. yeah. Yeah. So. All three firearms were purchased legally and background checks were conducted. But like I said, um, it has, and this just proves that it's been extremely easy to obtain firearms these days. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have something on your background, it's going to come up. But But did he have anything? No, No. he didn't. Um, But I feel like there needs to be some type of psych eval. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they would accomplish that right but there's got to be something that can be done that's just my opinion agree to disagree yeah so throughout the four months that led up to the shooting Holmes acquired 3,000 rounds of ammunition for the Glock 3,000 rounds of ammunition for the rifle and 350 rounds for the shotgun online what the what yeah i mean okay that's excessive that's number three four and five i mean four five and six red flags that's excessive yeah i don't think there's any type of regulation on ammunition but i mean come on there probably should be that's excessive so four months he bought 6350 rounds of ammunition this too much i can't so on july 2nd of 2012 He ordered a tactical vest online, as well as two magazine holders, spike strips, and a knife. Spike strips? Like the police, like, roll out? Yes, traffic strips, yes. Red flag number one. Wait, that's seven, seven, eight, eight, nine, nine, and ten. What the shit? Mm -hmm. Look, his FBI guy was obviously not paying attention. Right. Because Uh, my assigned FBI guy is like on his shit but his apparently was asleep at the wheel right 
Um, on June 25th, Holmes submitted an online application to join a gun club. Mm-hmm. And the owner of the gun club, Glenn Rotkovich, called him several times in the following days of his mm-hmm. application. Mm-hmm. And the phone calls were related to a mandatory orientation for approval okay. of being a member. Um, Glenn was never able to reach him. Mm-hmm. And Holmes left Glenn a voicemail in reply to the missed calls. And Glenn described the nature of the voicemail to be bizarre, freaky, guttural, Mm -hmm. spoken with a deep voice, incoherent, and rambling. Glenn instructed his staff to inform him if Holmes ever showed up. Mm -hmm. And he never did, nor did he call back. Hmm. And I guess like hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, like looking back now, it probably is like really weird to mm-hmm. him. But at the time, he probably had no like, re- like yeah, he probably was like that dude's a fucking weirdo, right? But he didn't think that he was gonna do what he did, right? Otherwise, he probably would have reported it. And now I'm sure he wishes that he would have, right? You know, you know what I'm saying? Because like, how many times has something happened to you and you're like. That's just, that's fucking strange. Like, that's, right. you know, but you don't think anything of it. Like, you know? Yeah. On July 19th, 2012, Holmes mailed a notebook to his psychiatrist. Who the fuck does that? Yeah. In that notebook, detailed notes of Holmes' plan that he had drawn out. Shut yes. the fuck up. He described his thoughts and plans during the weeks leading up to the shooting. It was like a journal. It was a manifesto. Yeah. And the notebook was eventually found to be undelivered in a mailroom at Anschutz um, Medical Campus. So, like I said, I didn't go into his background, but he was a PhD student at the University of Colorado. So, I'll go into that later a little bit, but... So, it never got... It never... It never left where he sent it from? No, I think it made it to the mailroom, and it was supposed to get delivered to the psychiatrist at the campus. Oh, so the psychiatrist was on campus. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, what if it would have gotten to the psychiatrist and they could have stopped this whole thing? Oh, but wait. Oh, Jesus. According to Holmes, he phoned a crisis hotline for his state of mental health directly prior to the shooting. Oh, my God. In hopes that someone would essentially talk him off of the ledge. Mm -hmm. But the call was disconnected after only nine seconds. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Do we know why? Like, No, my guess is he... Yeah. I don't think they ever talk. He talked to anyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, nine seconds. The phone can ring for nine seconds. Yeah. Um. So unrelated, but related. Do you know Ted Bundy used to work at a suicide hotline? I think you told me that before. Mm-hmm. How crazy is that? That he was like saving lives at one point in his life. <sighs> what a fucking psychopath. And then he took like thirty lives. Yeah. That's when you know you're a psychopath. Yeah. Like I said, related but unrelated. Yeah. On July 20th of 2012, we all know what happened. No. During the midnight premiere of The Dark Knight Rises, James Egan Holmes entered Theater 9 at the Century 16 Multiplex located in Aurora Town Center 
after purchasing a ticket and he sat in the first row. 20 minutes into the show, Holmes left through an emergency exit near the bottom of the theater room. You know, when you go mm-hmm. all the way down, they have like the exit sign right there. Wait, does, does the alarm not go off? No. Nope. you go through an emergency No, exit? you can actually use those as exits. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not safe. Right. You're not supposed to be able to re-enter. Mm. So it, a lot of times, like, I've used them plenty of times because you don't have to come back out through the lobby. It just goes right to the outside of the building and you can walk to your car. But it should lock behind you. Well, we'll it get should. there. He made his way to his vehicle that was parked at the almost vacant lot that was at the back of the theater just by by chance that's where that room was lo- that theater was located it was towards the the back side of the building mm-hmm. so that part of the parking lot was nearly vacant there's no people parking back there mm-hmm. as he exited he made sure to prop the emergency door upon mm-hmm. his exit using a plastic tablecloth holder you know those clips, clips? yes did he like bring that with him? Yes. That's such a random. Yeah, but think about it. You're not leaving a big gap in the door when you leave. Like it's kind of brilliant, which is disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just because it 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 Clipped hugs it? the the door at that those two ninety degree angles so perfectly. Yeah. So it's like enough to keep it open, but not enough to let light in, so people mm-hmm. would realize that the door was still open. Right. Oh God. Disgusting. I don't. Mm-mm, I don't mm-mm, mm-mm. Holmes went to his vehicle, which was conveniently parked close to the exit door, changed into dark tactical clothing, and gathered his weapons. Around 12.30, Holmes re-entered the theater. Through that same door? Mm-hmm. His attire consisted of a gas mask, a load-bearing vest, which is essentially an outer carry vest that has pockets. It's oh, not okay. bulletproof. Um, a ballistic helmet. Bullet-resistant leggings, which I did not know were a thing. Holy crap. A bullet-resistant throat protector. Oh, my God. A groin protector. Jesus. And tactical gloves. What the shit? Holmes was also listening to techno music through his headphones so that he wouldn't be able to hear any of the screams from his soon-to-be victims. My mouth is on the floor. Oh my god. Like heartless. I'm not ready. Holmes set off tear gas during one of the more violent scenes in the movie. Mm. He threw a gas canister towards the left side of the theater, releasing smoke or gas, which caused their eyes to become irritated Mm. and their skin and throats to itch. Do we know where he bought that from? Mm -mm. No. Probably online. Probably online. Probably. Red flag number 262. (laughs) Right. Holmes shot off multiple firearms into the audience of approximately 400 people. Yeah, because it was a midnight premiere. I'm Mm -hmm. sure it was packed. Loaded, yeah. Every seat. In such a big movie. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that he started, like, this shit during a fight scene is terrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. He began shooting at the back of the audience first and then toward the people near the aisles. A projectile went through the wall and (gasps) struck three people in the neighboring theater eight, which was also showing the same movie. Oh, my God. The fire alarm system was activated soon after the assault began, likely due to the tear gas. 
and Theater 8 was quickly evacuated. Holmes fired six times from his shotgun, 65 times from the semi-automatic rifle, and five times from the 40 caliber, 40 caliber handgun, totaling 76 shots fired. Oh my god. I'm now realizing that a Glock 22 is not a 22 caliber. It's the model. Oh, I was going to say, isn't that... Wasn't it a 22, but... It was... Yeah. Yeah. So it was a Glock 22 model 40 caliber Correct. bullet. Right. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to ask. Um, at 1239... The first 911 call was made, and the first police unit arrived on scene within 90 seconds. Oh my god. Upon arrival, they found three 40 caliber magazines, a shotgun, and a large drum magazine on the floor of Theater 9. Jesus. 12 people were, were killed, oh my god. and 70 others were wounded and injured, 58 of those people from direct gunfire. Good god. This event has been dubbed the deadliest shooting in the U.S. at the time. So, up at until, the time. At the time, yes. What what was deadlier than that? Since or then? it was Pride, or is that what it's called? Oh, Pulse. Uh, Pulse, Pulse at, in Orlando, yeah. and then since then, the Las Vegas Jason Aldean concert shooting. The fact that there's. Mm-hmm. I hate it here. Mm-hmm. Stop the planet. Let me off. Right. Woo, child. The ghetto. Mm-hmm this whole planet so there were 82 people injured in the massacre 70 hit, were hit by bullets um four people had eye irritation due to the tear gas and eight others suffered from non-gunshot injuries while trying to escape so out of the 70 that were hit by bullets 12 of those died i'll get there oh okay Ten victims were pronounced dead at the scene, while two more later died from their injuries at the hospital. Mm. Those that lost their lives were Alexander A.J. Boyk, 18, who was a resident, I'm sorry, he was a recent Gateway High School graduate where he played baseball. A.J. was planning on attending the Rocky Mountain College of Art and Design that fall. And he dreamt of becoming an art teacher and opening his own art studio. I'm out. Okay, I'm out. just hang tight. Jonathan Blunk, 26, was a Persian Gulf and North, Amer- North Arabian Sea veteran who served between 2004 and 2009. He was also a father to two. Oh my God. He planned on reenlisting in the Navy with the hopes of becoming a Navy SEAL. And during the massacre, Jonathan died after he pushed his girlfriend under a theater seat, saving her life. It gets so much worse. What? Yeah. Jesse Childress was a 29-year-old staff sergeant stationed at the Buckley Air Force Base, where he served as a cyber systems operator. Jesse's closest friends stated that he played sports every day, and he also loved comics and superhero movies. Jesse had just bought a new car that he had nicknamed the Batmobile. Gordon Coden, 51, was a father of four and was attending the midnight showing with his two teenagers. Gordon was a business owner and enjoyed the outdoors. Gordon's teenagers escaped the shooting unharmed. He protected them. 
John Larimer was a Navy sailor based at Buckley Air Force Base where he worked as a cryptologic technician, which according to the Navy's website, that position should be filled by someone with, quote, exceptionally good character, above average writing and speaking skills, a, a good memory, curiosity, and resourcefulness, end quote. That sounds like a badass position. Mm-hmm. Dang. Michaela Medic, 23, was a part-time sandwich artist at Subway and Aurora Community College, Community College student. Michaela had been saving money for a trip to India. Hmm. She loved the color hot pink, Hello Kitty, and Beanie Babies. At her funeral, those in attendance wore ribbons with Hello Kitty branded on them. Hmm. Matt McQuinn was a 27-year-old and originally from Ohio. He had just moved to Colorado months prior where he died in the shooting trying to protect his girlfriend by diving on top of her. The girlfriend was only injured in the leg. And I think I remember that when when this happened, there were so many, like... Heroes? Yeah, like guys mm-hmm. that died There's protecting quite a few. their girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Jessica Gawi, she had another name by Jessica Red, Redfield, I think. Mm-hmm. She was 24 and was a journalist and blogger who had just moved from San Antonio to Denver to pursue her dream of becoming a sportscaster. Her mother described her as having a huge heart and caring deeply for other people. Seven weeks prior to the Aurora shooting, she and her boyfriend barely escaped a deadly shooting at a downtown Toronto mall. What? Yeah. Like, what are the freaking chances? What? I... She, was, she had just left the food court when the shooting happened. Oh, my God. This one right here. Veronica Moser Sullivan was a six-year-old who went to go to see the movie with her mother, Ashley Moser. Veronica was killed in the shooting while her mother received critical injuries that left her paralyzed from the waist down. Oh, my God. Alex Sullivan was 27 and celebrating his birthday by going to the midnight showing of the dark knight rises on facebook he shared quote hashtag the dark knight rises oh my god counting down till it starts can't wait going to be the best birthday ever end quote Mm. his family described him as their real life hero and said he was smart funny and above all loved dearly by his friends and family so there was no relation to Veronica Sullivan. That's just a coincidence. Correct. Okay. Hmm. Um, Alex Teves was a 24-year-old who origin was originally from Arizona, but stayed in the Denver area after he graduated from the University of Denver. During the massacre, Alex blocked a bullet from striking his girlfriend. Hmm. Alex's father stated he would do anything to save his girlfriend. And she lived? hmm <sighs> Rebecca Ann Wingo was a 32-year-old mother who always sat on the front row as a moviegoer. Her co-workers stated she had a bubbly personality and nothing ever seemed to irritate her. He was in the front row, too, wasn't he? hmm I wonder if she, like, was next to him. Right. You know, like... So, a couple of the survivors were Caleb Medley. 
He was the last victim to be discharged from the hospital on September 12th. Mm -hmm. He suffered from serious brain damage and an injury to his right eye after a shotgun (gasps) blast to the head. Oh my god. He endured three brain surgeries. He requires a feeding tube. He has severely impaired movement and can no longer speak. Ashley Moser was the mother of six-year-old Veronica Moser Sullivan. She was shot in the chest and is now a paraplegic. Oh, my God. She suffered a miscarriage a week after the shooting. Oh, my God. Yeah. Three of the five area hospitals reported that they would limit the victim's medical bills or entirely forgive them. More than $5 million were raised for the victims and their families, and each family of the dead received $220,000. I mean, it it doesn't bring them back, but, you know, I mean, um, actually, I was talking to one of my coworkers the other day, and she brought this, oops, she brought up this case, and she actually knows a girl. The girl that was from Baton Rouge that was there, Mm -hmm. she knows her. And she got shot, like, in the knee. And, like, it was, it, like, has affected her, obviously, for the rest of her life. Like, I want to say seven years after, she couldn't even walk down the aisle at her wedding. Wow. Yeah. I don't, she didn't tell me her name, but Mm -hmm. she said, like, she grew up with her and, like, she knows her. Right. But, like, that's... Fuck this dude. Mm Mm-hmm. So, immediately following the shooting at approximately 12.45, so this was a quick apprehension, like, well, event? event. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the aftermath was probably chaos, mm-hmm. but the movie started at 12. Right. He left at 12.20. He came back at 12.30, mm-hmm. and by 12.39, the first 911 call was and, he was and they were there 90 seconds later. And he was apprehended at 1245. So they so got him in six Technically, minutes. 15 minutes. For everything. From the time From he the started time he shooting. From the time he re-entered the, sh- yes, the theater. Hmm. Um, James Holmes was located standing near his car and was subsequently arrested without resistance. Did they? Like, no. <laughs> Never mind. Please hold all questions. <laughs> well, I'm not reading, so I didn't. Due to his tactical clothing, Holmes was initially mistaken for a police officer. Quite the opposite. Which kind of blows my mind because his head was, I mean, his hair was like neon orange. Right. So I'm pretty sure that's not part of the uniform policy. Right. Um, At least it wasn't in my agency, but Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, During his arrest, Holmes was described as calm and detached. What the hell? You... What? Yeah. Once he was detained, he became interested in witnessing everything unfold. You are a disgusting human. I don't know that he's human. Not you, him. No, I said I don't know that he's human. Oh. Like... Yeah. No, he's a... Yeah. A monster. He's a demon. Several firearms were recovered from his vehicle, and following his arrest... He was held under suicide watch. Um, which makes sense because, like, we talked about in the intro or in the very beginning, like, most people who perform these mass shootings, their goal is to as much carnage as possible, and then they're not planning to go to jail. They're going to shoot themselves. And they want to be... 
in the spotlight. They, they want to be infamous. Yes. <laughs> That's what this uh, category is. Mm. As the investigation unfolded, Holmes admitted to rigging his apartment with homemade explosive, explosives and incendiary devices. Mm. The day after the shooting, these booby traps were diffused by the Arapahoe County Sheriff's Office. I mean, but does he think he's Kevin McAllister? Booby traps? What was his no, home alone? It's, it's way worse. Oh, well, obviously. Um, five adjacent buildings were evacuated in order Jesus. to do so. More than 30 homemade bombs were inside of his apartment. What the fuck? Which were wired to a control box located in the kitchen, which was filled with at minimum 30 gallons of gasoline. So, like, gasoline has a strong odor. Like, how do you... How? how? Wait, what kind of box can fit 30? Was it a freaking fish tank? I don't know. I wonder if it was a fish tank. Because you can't put gas in a box. No, it was... the, The... the gas was not in the box. It was a control box, but probably... What the fuck is a control box? Like a detonator? Like... Oh, oh, oh. Dumbass. Fuck you. There was, an, there was even an explosive that was wired to the apartment's front door. So had he not admitted and confessed to what he'd done and officers went to his house and tried to make entry... And use like a battering ram to break down or the door? Or just made entry to... Whether it was unlocked or whatever... Up. So how'd they get in? They had to de- they had they to, to defuse like, it. Oh. Um, the Jesus apartment Christ. complex was limited to University of Colorado Medical Center students, <gasps> patients, and employees only. Oh my god! Because he was mm-hmm. a PhD student. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Good God. This psycho. Mm-hmm. James Egan Holmes confessed to the massacre, but his plea was not guilty by reason of insanity. Authorities interviewed over 200 witnesses and they were confident that Holmes acted alone. Mm. Fast forward to February of 2014. Mm-hmm. Arapahoe County District Judge Carlos Samore set Holmes's trial date to begin on October 14th. Due to a defense request, the trial date was postponed to December 8th. Mm-hmm. The defense requested for a continuance to further prepare their case and review evidence. Because two years isn't enough? And then a second continuance was requested and later denied, and jury selection began on January 20th of 2015. And this was when? July of 2012? Mm Mm-hmm. So three and a half. Three and a half years. Huh? Two and a half. To the day. Two and a half. Twelve. Yeah, 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 two and a half. Um, Dumbass. Does it fucking matter, bitch? (laughs) It does matter. Now, this little factoid blows my mind. The process for jury selection took three months to complete. Wait, just jury selection? Just jury selection. And they summoned 9,000 citizens. Good God. It's the largest jury summons in U.S. history. I mean, I would think so. Good God. 9,000. Jesus Christ. Jury selection was completed on April 15th, 2015. Tax day. Yeah. <laughs> With a total of five men and 19 women selected. Is that including all... Because there's 12 and 12 alternates? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just making sure. 
April 27th was the first day of trial, and the prosecutors for the Arapahoe County District were seeking the death penalty. After an offer for a guilty plea in exchange for prosecutors not to seek the death penalty, and that offer was declined by Holmes. He's like, no, I don't want no. that. No. Holmes' attorney offered oh. for a guilty plea in exchange for prosecutors not to seek the death penalty, but the prosecutors denied. Oh, that. okay. They're like, fuck no, we got your ass. Right. Um, during his trial, the notebook that Holmes sent to his psychiatrist was entered into evidence, mm. and some of the entries stated how Holmes had a desire to kill for at least 10 years prior to the shooting. Jesus, how old was he at the time of the shooting? Do you know? No, I don't think he's a... F- I think he's a few... Maybe a few years older than us. He was really early 20s. Mm. Oh my I God, told- so you've been wanting to kill since you were like 12? Yeah. What the shit? Mm-hmm. I'm not going into that because yeah, there's no excuse. Um, there's plenty of other people that battle demons. Yes, and more serious mm-hmm. mental health issues that don't go around fucking killing people. Exactly. Um, other entries included how he was disappointed with his life and inability to find work, boo fucking who, along with some health issues. So find healthy coping mechanisms like the rest of us. Yeah. Holmes even went into detail with his plans for the shooting, which prosecutors used that as indication for premeditation. Uh, yeah. Like, look up premeditation in the dictionary and writing a notebook of what you're going to do is like... Rule number one. Huh? Rule number one. Exhibit number A. Yeah. Number A. Number A. Exhibit A. (laughs) Bitch, it's late. A court-appointed psychiatrist testified that James Holmes was most definitely mentally ill. However, he was ruled legally sane. After evaluating Holmes, Dr. William Reed, along with another doctor, determined that Holmes knew what he was doing. It was also determined that Holmes suffered from schizoaffective disorder. Hmm. According to the Mayo Clinic, Schizoaffective disorder is a mental health disorder that is marked by a combination of schizophrenia symptoms such as hallucinations or delusions and mood disorder symptoms such as depression or mania. Hmm. There are two types of schizoaffective disorders which are bipolar type and depressive type. That sounds scary. Yeah. Hmm. On July 16th, almost exactly three years to the day, James Holmes was convicted of 24 counts of first-degree murder, 140 counts of attempted first-degree murder, and one count of possessing explosives. I feel like it should have been 30 counts if there was 30. Right, at his apartment, right? But it says possessing of explosives, like plural, but no, bitch. Well, I mean, thank God he didn't bring those to the theater with him. Yeah, he would have leveled the block. Yeah. Good God. He also received a sentence enhancement for committing a crime of violence. Uh, Right. The number of counts is not limited to the number of victims, mm -hmm. and two charges were filed for each victim to expand the opportunities for prosecutors to obtain convictions. Good. Mm -hmm. Fuck him. On August 7th of 2015, Holmes was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. 
So they didn't give him the death penalty? Like, the jury decides that, right? I'll, I'll go into that. Okay. It's not, I didn't write it, but I was going to touch on it. Okay. On August 26th, he was given 12 life sentences, one life sentence for every person he killed, and he also received 3,318 years for the attempted murders of the 70 wounded survivors and for the rigging of his apartment. Jeez Louise. He was initially... Oh, so I'm going to touch on that. So they said that jurors couldn't come to an agreement on the death penalty, so that's Yeah, what, it has to be unanimous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Holmes was initially housed at Colorado State Penitentiary. However, due to the need of, for heightened security and an incident in which another inmate assaulted him, he was transferred out. They should have just let him kill him. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's terrible of me. According to the federal... Bureau of Prisons website, James Egan Holmes is being housed at a USP Allenwood, at USP Allenwood in Allenwood, Pennsylvania, which is a high security U.S. penitentiary. Mm. Like that's from Colorado to freaking Pennsylvania. Yeah. Fuck you. Um, is he in like solitary or like? It's know? high security. It didn't say. Oh, okay. Um, it's not going to say. Rot in prison yeah bitch approximately 850 meters from the theater near the aurora municipal center a memorial for the victims was installed it has like a park-like vibe Mm -hmm. um with 83 abstract birds one for every victim 13 of those birds have translucent wings and are centered in the memorial which resembled the 12 victims and the one unborn child Oh, the miscarriage. I was wondering why it was 13. Mm -hmm. According to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, 20.6% of American adults experienced mental illness in 2019, totaling to approximately 51.5 million people. Yeah. This equates to one in five adults. And I'm sure it skyrocketed in 2020. Of I'm sure those members will, Bit- numbers will be a lot higher for 2020 <laughs> due to COVID-19. Bitch, I, I didn't wish see- you'd stay in your motherfucking lane. <laughs> I didn't kidding. fucking see it, you I asshole. know, that happens all the time. I'm kidding, bitch. Dick. 5.2% of American adults experienced serious mental illness in 2019 which is 13.1 million people equating to 1 in 20 adults. Depression and anxiety cost the global global economy $1 trillion in lost productivity each year, and depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. Dang. Yeah, I didn't know that. The disability part. Yeah. And lost productivity, it makes sense, Mm -hmm. because... you depending, can't, it's impossible to be productive. Yeah, depending on, like, how bad your, like, some, the, how bad your depression is, some people can't get out of bed. Right. Dang. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among people ages 10 what? to 34. Is that insane in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. 46% of the people who have died due to suicide had a diagnosed mental health condition. Mm-hmm. 46 so almost half mm-hmm. Dang. please know that it is okay to talk about suicide no matter what side of it you're on mm-hmm. um also note that addressing suicidal concerns with someone you think is struggling will not make it worse right um during one of my crisis negotiator training classes 
um, they encourage us not to avoid the word suicide. Right. So a lot of people think, okay, in a, in a crisis negotiation as a dispatcher on the phone, right? Um, saying the word suicide is not going to make them do it. Do it. Yes. They're already considering it. Mm -hmm. It's not like a triggering word. In fact, it might really do the opposite. Right. You know? So if you or someone you know is battling a mental health issue, you can contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. The Lifeline provides 24-7 free and confidential support for people in distress, prevention and crisis resources for you or your loved ones, and best practices for professionals. Yeah, please seek help. Yeah, it's hard, you know, to address it or swallow that pill as, like, that you need. Like, swallow your pride. Right, exactly. Yeah, but... Um, I guarantee you there's more people in your life that are struggling with mental health issues than you really realize. You know, people just don't talk about it. But most people that you know are on some type of mental illness medication or whether it's, you know, antidepressants or whatever, you know, I mean. CBD, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Xanax. Yeah. If Xanax did not put me to sleep, I would 100% be on Xanax. That's the case of the Aurora, Colorado shooting. Thanks for listening. If you like today's episode, rate and review us. Obviously, we're going to read them. Um, We don't really read the bad ones. We see them, but I'm not giving you the time of day on the podcast. So. Gang shit. What? Gang shit. (laughs) Follow us on Instagram at Homicide Homegirls, Facebook at Homicide Homegirls Podcast, and Twitter at Homegirls Pod, even though we don't post on Twitter, like, ever. I think it auto, I think we have it to where it shares our stuff. Our Instagram stuff. Oh. Um, If you want to suggest an episode, use the form located on our Facebook page, send us an email, Facebook, Instagram message. Telegram, pigeon, carrier pigeon. Yeah. You know, all of it. Write us a letter, whatever. Just Um, don't, just don't pull up. All right, y'all. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.